Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. the Lord. Well, I'm honored to kick off this new series for the month of December titled Lights. I want to read two passages of scripture up front today. The first being from the book of Isaiah, an Old Testament book, and then one from the New Testament. But Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them a light has shined. Then verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Then James chapter 1 beginning in verse 16 passage out of the New Testament Scriptures. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. I'm titling this message right from the phrase you see there in James 1, Father of Light. I want to preach today a message titled, Father of Lights. Let me pray. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name, that name that's above every name, I bind any and every demon that would seek, Lord, to distract, to confuse, Lord, people from the reality of Jesus and the gospel. Lord, in this place we declare Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King. And in that name, redemption, forgiveness, deliverance, truth, grace is available. Holy Spirit, make much of Jesus. I yield to you. It's in His name I pray. Amen. Growing up, the street behind me was a major attraction at this time of year. We did not live in a neighborhood per se. When you turned on to our actual street, there wasn't like a neighborhood sign. But we lived in an area of town that had many streets with homes on it. And some of those streets were connected at various points and some of the streets were not connected. But the street directly behind ours was known for having its houses and yards decorated with Christmas lights and Christmas decorations. In fact, the majority of years when we lived there, it often had a 100% participation rate from the houses on that street. That means every house had decorations there in their yard, on their home. And of course, our street and other streets around would also get cars spilling out over onto them to see the lights uh, as well. Even though our street and other streets... Uh, fell short in comparison to the main street. Now, in and of itself, when I think 
about if you lived on that main street that was the attraction. I don't know of any necessarily outright advantage of living on that main street. Uh, and especially if you're seeking to get home at night and you turn on your street and it's bumper-to-bumper traffic on your street and they are just slowly going, you know, looking at every house and internally you'd be thinking, I already know what's on that house and on that yard. I'm trying to get to my house. Um, but maybe there would be a benefit to some who lived on that street if you like notoriety. For instance, if you went about town and you met someone and they said, where do you live? And you named the street. People in that area of town would definitely know that street because of it being known for this time of year. Also, maybe some thought it was an advantage because occasionally the local news channel you know, would show up and they would interview one of the families or, or they would do pictures of the street and, and highlight it. But other than that, I don't know of many advantages personally of living on that street versus my street until, until one of my good friends whose house was directly behind mine, behind ours, his dad and some others created the second reason that his street stood out. And that was the creation of bucket lights. Of bucket lights. The laughter over here is because my parents are actually in town today and they know exactly what I'm talking about. Bucket lights. Now bucket lights were plastic buckets and they were the color of like a manila folder which I never really understood why. But they were the color of a manila folder and they were connected by a long string of large bulb lights that, that came up through the bottom of the bucket. All right, And you would plug them in and they would light up and people would line them up around the edges of their yard, the street. In fact, eventually we had some of those very bucket lights that made it into our house and our yard and even our streets and the streets around it. Now, I was trying to do good research to serve you all, and I got on the Internet and, and looked for those bucket lights. But I'm talking about a time, friends, before the Internet. And so I couldn't find any pictures of those bucket lights, and I didn't uh, have time to get Mom. I'm sure she's got pictures somewhere of them to show you. But I guess my point is, is I could say my friend's dad was the father of bucket lights. The father bucket lights. Likewise, for followers of Jesus Christ who are here today, our Heavenly Father is said by Scripture to be the Father of lights. There in our main text, one of them, James 1 and 16, it says, Do not be deceived. Now, I'm not the wisest guy amongst ourselves, but I have found when Scripture highlights do not be deceived, that means it's probably normally an area we're more vulnerable to be deceived. And it says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning of His own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth. That we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Notice that phrase that James uses here, the Father of lights. The phrase here is highlighting in the original language that James wrote in Greek, it's highlighting that He's the originator of all lights. God is the originator of the sun. He's the originator of the moon. He's the originator of the stars and the galaxies and the angels who are called angels of light or ministers of fire in Scripture. 
But James here is highlighting more than the fact that God is the originator and the creator of all lights. Because the Greek word highlights more than just creator. It's highlighting an aspect that though creator, He's also a father. See, listen, God is creator. But He is said by Scripture to be more than just a creator, but a father. Here James is highlighting that He's the father of lights. See, God did not just create to create. God didn't just create because He had the ability to create. He created to relate. God did not just create to create. He created to relate. God didn't just create you because He had the ability to create you. He created you because He wanted to relate to you. James is highlighting that yes, God is creator, but He's a relational God. And He longs and He created you and He formed you in your mother's womb because He wants to relate to you. He wants to relate to every aspect of your life and your journey, your triumphs and your valleys and your hurts and your questions. Now we as humans have also been given authority by God to create. But that authority given to us by God to create is determined, it's limited by God within the confines that He's put within or upon us. But because we've all sinned, because we have all chosen selfishness, we can create out of selfish desires. For instance, children can be conceived, created out of just the desire for sexual pleasure and not the intent to father, to relate to, to have a relationship with the child conceived. But can I tell you the good news, friends? God is not like us in that. God has no variation of motive. That's what James is highlighting. That the father of lights, there's no shadow to him. There's no shiftiness to him. There's no selfishness to him. There's no variation in his nature and in his purpose and in his pleasure. There's no shadow of deception. What James is saying is that God's pleasure can never arise from just self-serving desires. See, God's nature, that which he cannot change about himself, an aspect of his nature is love. And the nature of God's love is that it's for mutual benefit. So God's will, His will as our Creator is to then relate to us as Father. And this brings up our second main text we read in the beginning, Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon His shoulder, and His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Notice thousands of years before the birth of Jesus, who, by the way, historically has been proven to exist. There's no questions, there's no matter of anybody that has actual sense of historical credence to doubt the life of Jesus. The doubts come about between people of who He was. 
But there's no doubt he existed. But thousands of years before God, through a prophet in Isaiah, declared and prophesied that a son, a child would be given, a son would be born. And notice that it's not just to you, even though it's for you. It's unto us. See, the gospel is for us, but it's bigger than just us. And that's good news for us who live in Western civilization, who live in America, where individualistic thinking is so strong that we think everything is about us and revolves about us. No, 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 listen. The gospel is for you and it will benefit you, but it's bigger than you. A child, a son would be given for us, for humanity, for all. All nations, all colors, all people of all backgrounds, unto us. A child, a son is given. And notice his name will be called Everlasting Father. It's interesting because many people don't know that a part of the eternal purpose of God, and you say, what do we mean by that, Pastor Chad, the eternal purpose of God? A part of why God did all of this, why He's the Father of lights, why He created the sun, the moon, the stars, angels, galaxies, and you and I, that a part of the eternal purpose of God is to be an everlasting Father. That God desired from eternity before He created time itself, before He created the heavens and the earth that you and I find ourselves in, that God desired from eternity to have a multitude of sons and daughters. Not sons and daughters that He just created, sons and daughters that He could relate to and with, that He could have a relationship with. So this is number one. God, your Creator, desires to become your Father. Your father. Now you say, why is this so important? Maybe if you grew, around the ch- grew up around the church of Scripture, you say, I, I, I have that point. What's the, it's so simple. What's the importance of that point? Listen, I'll tell you the importance. It's called fatherlessness. Research statistics. Many institutes, organizations that devote themselves to the study and the issues of fatherlessness in this nation and nations around the world clearly conclude and show the mounting evidence and reality of the curse of fatherlessness and the effects it has upon society and humans and individuals. Those that grew up and experienced fatherlessness are at greater risk of poverty. Those that grew up with fatherlessness are more likely to become pregnant as a teen. Those that grew up in fatherlessness are more likely to have behavioral problems more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison, more likely to suffer obesity, more likely to commit a crime, more likely to drop out of high school. Now let me say up front, there are some people here today and some that are listening or some who will listen, that they had a father, a physical father in the home, but they still experience the reality of what fatherlessness is. Fatherlessness is a curse, meaning... It's not the intent of the Father of lights, our Creator. It's not the intent that He would want any to experience the reality of fatherlessness. But the statistics are clear as those who have experienced fatherlessness, the vulnerability for such negative outcomes to be in their life. But I have good news for you, friend. 
is mercy triumphs over judgment. Meaning, where statistics would judge you and try to lock you into what your future can become, mercy can triumph over that judgment and sentence upon your life. Meaning this, God unto us has been born a Savior, unto us has been born a child, and He's a merciful Savior. And God has given a merciful Savior for the judgment of statistics upon our life. The everlasting Father has given a Savior for every statistic. That every statistic that tries to label you and determine and decree upon you your experience and your future, God has given unto you a merciful Savior that can cause His mercy to triumph in your life over that statistic. You don't have to be a statistic. The everlasting Father has provided in giving you a Savior. Fatherlessness is a curse, but God through Christ Jesus has provided redemption from the curse. Redemption means to be brought back that where the curse of fatherlessness has tried to drive us and compel us into dysfunctions and statistics, God has made a way through the gift of Jesus Christ to bring us back into His intent, His purpose for our life, His will for our life. That's why the prophet thousands of years before, declared on God's behalf, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is giving. He shall be called everlasting Father. So number one, God your Creator desires to become your Father. Secondly, we must not make light of the Father's light. What do I mean? Let me explain. In Ezekiel 22 and verse 7, God cries out through a prophet named Ezekiel. Now let me set the context. Ezekiel was sent by God in this context to cry out to God's Old Covenant, Old Testament people, which were the nation of Israel. So God in the Old Covenant revealed His light of Scriptures, His oracles, to a nation called Israel. But God sends this prophet Ezekiel to the nation of Israel Because they have, for years, decades, hardened their heart to the light of God, to the revelation of God's Word to them. They had hardened their heart to the revelation of God's will and God's purpose for them. So much that God's hand of protection lifts off of them and they're taken into Babylonian captivity. And it's in this, God sends the prophet and the prophet declares to God's old covenant people, the nation of Israel, this in Ezekiel 22 and verse 7. says, in you, they, being the nation of Israel, Jerusalem, in you they have made light of father and mother. In your midst, they have oppressed the stranger. In you they have mistreated the fatherless and the widow. Now listen to me. This is not an outcry against unbelievers. This is not an outcry to the other nations that were not in covenant with God. This is an outcry against the nation that was in covenant with God through the old covenant. This is God's old covenant people. The cry was against them. The cry was not against unbelievers. The cry was against God's people. 
people who had the Father's light, who had the Scriptures. And he says, you, nation of Israel, you, Jerusalem, you have made light of my design. You have made light of my design of one father and one mother, which is the fundamental basic building block of the home and of a society and of a nation. God's outcry was not to the other nations. It was not to those who didn't claim to know God or serve God. The cry was to God's people. And he says, you have made light of my design that has been revealed and given to you in Scripture. Here's the point, even for us who live now in the new covenant. We must not make light of God's design for marriage and the home of one father and one mother. You say, why? Listen, listen. Making light of father and mother leads to further fatherlessness. God does not give His design to hold us back, to keep us from missing out on something that's beneficial. God gives His design so that His purpose and His intent and His protection and His will for us can flourish. And God says, you have made light, the light I've given of my design for the home and the building block of a society. And it leads to further fatherlessness. It leads to more and more people being hurt and devastated and becoming statistics and experiencing the negative fruit. Fatherlessness. Greater risk of poverty. More likely to have behavioral problems. More likely to go to prison. More likely to choose escapism or substance abuse to deal with pain. Now, in God's proclaimed people in America, and churches in America, we have churches now that no longer preach repentance. We have people who confess the name of Jesus, who say they're followers of Jesus, who hold to the same standards of unbelievers and those who don't follow Jesus and don't look to the light of God's Scripture. And God's outcry through the prophet is not to those who don't claim to be Jesus followers. God's outcry is not to those who don't claim to be followers of Jesus. His outcry is to you and I here today and the churches of America today who claim to be followers of Jesus. That we must not take light, the Father's light, His revelation given to us in Scripture. Why? It leads to more devastation. It leads to more people experiencing pain and hurt and the tragedies and the devastation that sin brings upon lives. Let me talk about the Father's light for a moment. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, the beloved apostle, the apostle John, he writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him, Him being the Word of God made human, Jesus. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The Father's light is given in the Son. 
And notice the Father's light. That it's the light of life. What is this talking about? It's saying that the light of life speaks to purpose. It speaks to purpose. Why you and I exist. The light of life is what is the reason of why life exists. Why do I exist? The light of life speaks to the questions you and I have regarding why do I exist. Speaks to purpose. Notice it's the light of life for mankind. It's the reason why God created us. It's the reason of why we exist. The Father's light. It's the light of life. It's the understanding of why life exists. It's the understanding of why we find ourselves in this story. It's the understanding of why we find ourselves here on earth. It's the light of life. It's the light that reveals our purpose and why we exist and why God created us. Listen, regardless of the circumstances surrounding our birth, the light of life is God has purpose for you. God created you, but He created you not just to create you in your mother's womb. He created you to relate with you. He longs to have a relationship with you. For unto us a child is given, His name shall be called Everlasting Father. The Creator from eternity has longed to be your Father. Your Father. So there's the Father's light the light of life, the purpose, the reason of why we exist. And then secondly, there's the light of the Lamb. For those of you that's maybe familiar with Scripture, maybe you remember the psalmist who wrote one of the longest psalms in the book of Psalms, Psalms 119. And in Psalms 119-105, the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Notice there's the Father's light of life that answers the why question, that speaks to purpose and why you exist. But there's also the light of the Lamb. The light of the Lamb that speaks to the path that you and I are to take. That gives light to the talents, gives light to the positive attributes of the personality God's given you. Talents in the way that you should take in life, the career path that you should take, how you should move forward in life. Once you understand your purpose, that you exist to relate to an everlasting Father who created you, but then it, this speaks to what's the direction and guidance for the path that I should take in life. This answers the what and where questions. You could live a lot of places. You could go a lot of places. You could do a lot of things. But the light of the lamp, the light of God's Word shines onto our feet the path that God has for us, the career, the choices, the guidance, the direction that answers the what and where questions we all carry. There's an interesting scripture in the book of Job. In Job 12 and verse 4, Job says, A lamp is despised in the thought of one who is at ease. It is made ready for those whose feet slip. It's very interesting. What it's saying is, is that when we as humans are at ease, when everything's going the way we expect in life, we are vulnerable to despise the Father's lamp, the Father's light of the lamp, the Father's guidance, the Father's word. Because listen, when we're at ease and things are going the way we want it to go, we don't live with a sense of awareness of our need of the Father's guidance, His light upon our path. We're experiencing our best life now. We're experiencing what we want. And when we're at ease, we're vulnerable to despising or hungering 
for the lamp, the light of the lamp, God's word to shine upon our feet, shine upon our decision making, shine upon our path. But you know the word ease, you know what word comes from that word? Disease. Affliction, disease means it's when we're no longer experiencing ease in our life. Now God's not the author of disease, but the God longs to relate to you so much He will use dis-ease. He'll use discomfort. He'll use things that come into your life in trying to bring you back to Him. A creator who didn't just create you to create you, but created you to relate to you. He longs for relationship with you. You say, well, if he longs for a relationship with me, well, why don't he just do it? Well, listen, we're talking about a relationship. And relationships don't work when one person just does it. Relationship meaning we have to want God, our Creator, to relate to us as an everlasting Father. So the question is, have you been experiencing difficulties? Have you faced tensions? Are some of you in transitions? Have there been afflictions? Have there been trials, if it's taken your sense of ease, listen, the Father wants it to create in you a hunger and thirst for the light of the lamp. To get into His Word where He can shine upon your footsteps. That He can begin to lead you and guide you into open spaces. To lead and guide you into a smooth path. To lead and guide you to His design for your life. That's not to hinder you or hurt you. But it's to allow His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. A kingdom of peace and joy and righteousness. To prosper in your life. In Isaiah 9 and verse 2. One of our other main texts. The prophet said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. The light of life has came. The light of the lamp, the word, Jesus, was made human. And yet, though the light has come and the light has shined, multitudes still dwell and choose to stay in darkness. Very interesting. Why is that? Listen, never forget this, friends. Walking and dwelling in darkness affects our spiritual ability to see and believe. I'll say it again. Walking and dwelling in darkness affects our spiritual ability to see and believe. Scripture says a great light has come. God has given us a son, given us a child. A child, Jesus has been sent as the light of the world and though the light has shone, then Scripture says, but who has believed in the light? Who has believed our report? John 1 right after that says he came to his own. He came to us, his creation, and yet his own did not receive him. There's a fish, maybe you've heard of it, called the blind Somalian cave fish. To scientists, it's a mystery, but it's not necessarily a mystery, but it is to many scientists. This blind Somalian cavefish, it lost the ability to use light to fix damaged DNA. Let me give you an example. When it's compared to another fish called the zebrafish, 
The zebrafish, they can study. When the zebrafish is exposed to light, the presence of light, okay, unlocks a molecular key in the zebrafish. And the cells are then guided to a genetic lock which releases and activates DNA that repairs the fish. But the blind Somalian fish is the opposite. When it's exposed to light, it has the same type of locks. It has the potential to unleash or photolyze the light and expression. But scientists have found that the keys appear to have been lost in time. Meaning, when the blind Somalian fish gets exposed to light, it harms it. Where other fish, like the zebrafish, when it gets exposed to light, the light unlocks cells that go to these locks and it begins to regenerate and heal itself through the light. And they found that the keys in the blind Somalian cave fish seem to be lost. It's interesting because when Jesus shows up, the days of ministry on the earth, He talks about the keys of the kingdom. Can I tell you that Jesus can unlock the answers to the questions that you have on why you really exist, on why God created you? He can unlock places where there's been doubt that your Creator didn't just create you to leave you in the state that you're in, but He longs to relate to you and be an everlasting Father to you. Maybe you've heard of another fish. It's called the Mexican cave fish. In fact, they got a picture, I believe, that they'll put up. This fish is not just blind. It no longer has eyes. The Mexican cave fish have stayed in caves and dwelled in darkness so long that they've not only lost the ability to see, they've lost the ability to actually have eyes. Why? Because maintaining eyes and the visual parts of the brain requires a lot of energy to be used. But because they dwell in darkness, in dark caves, there's limited food sources. So due to living in the dark, they no longer pass down through their lineage the ability to have eyes. Instead, you know how they survive? The cave fish see by using their mouth and sucking When I look at the sea of humanity, when I look at the nations of the world, is that not what so many people are living by? No longer having eyes to truly see, but they're living, listen, by feeling themselves through life. And they say, well, it feels right, therefore it must be right. Or this temporarily feels satisfying, therefore I must feed on this. But the spirit of wisdom cries out in the book of Proverbs and says there is a way that seems right to a person but in the end it leads to eternal death. Eternal death. What's interesting about the Mexican cave fish is that scientists assume that these fish became blind because of mutations that disabled key genes regarding eye development. But this has been shown not to be the case. What they have found is that the DNA sequence to create eyes is within them. 
But the genes have been switched off. And the genes that creates eyes have been switched off by a chemical tag called methyl groups, which is known as an epigenetic problem, not a genetic change. But here's the point. They have been switched off by a group of chemical tags. Can I tell you this? That based on the people you grew up around, based on the people you do life with, they can be like a group that turn and influence you to switch off your God-given purpose and your God-given belief in Him and your God-given desire to walk in His light and in His will. Now, if you're not a science nerd, which I'm not, here's the point, because I just need the point. Here's the point. These fish living in dark caves for so long have over time seen their lineage become blind and some of them have not just become blind, some of them no longer even have eyes to see like the Mexican cave fish. The Father's light has given this perfect gift, Jesus. And this perfect gift, the light of the Father, has shined. They've seen a great light. But if they're blind and have no eyes, though the light has shone, they can't see. They can't see. Now I want to speak to us as a church and as those who say and claim to be followers of Jesus. If we take light, the Father's light, we risk being spiritually blinded and losing our potential and capacity to see. This is what Jesus found in the days that He came. When Jesus shows up in His ministry, the majority of the religious leaders of the old covenant people, the nation of Israel, and the majority of the nation of Israel, God's old covenant people, had eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear. Let me give you an example. In Matthew 12 and verse 12, here's what Jesus teaches. He says, For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand, and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts, everybody say hearts, of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, least they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Notice, they closed their eyes. God didn't close their eyes. They closed their eyes. And Jesus turns to His disciples. He says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Here's the point. You and I, in response to the Father's light that has been given, our response to the Father's light determines whether we can increase our capacity to have eyes to see the Father and Jesus clearly in His will 
or we can decrease our capacity to actually see the everlasting Father, clearly see the risen Son Jesus, and clearly interpret and apply His given light in Scripture. So for us as followers of Jesus, for for the body of Christ in America, for us who claim to be followers of Jesus here today, let me ask the hard question in love. Are we in danger to be like the religious of Jesus' day? To take light of the Father's light given through Jesus and the new covenant. Let me be even more direct. Are you individually in danger of losing your capacity to clearly see spiritual truth and reality and your ears to hear the spirit of truth? If we choose to dwell and practice deliberate darkness and stay in metaphorical caves, we become vulnerable of losing our capacity to truly see the Father's light as revealed in Scripture. Paul, when he writes to the church at Rome in his great letter, the book of Romans, in Romans 1, he starts out the pattern of sound teaching talking about the Father's light that has been given to every person in every nation who is every born. And it says that God has given the light of His eternal existence to every person. This is why, this is why, still across the nations of the world, over 80% still acknowledge and confess their belief in a God or a supreme being. Because in Romans 1 it says that God has given light, understanding to every person that's born to His eternal existence. To His eternal existence. So agnostic and atheists by far are the minority of humans. Meaning the majority of humans still have this light that the Father has given them that He has eternally existed and are willing to acknowledge the fact of some eternal God. The problem is, is those who have got given the light, many of them take that light and they choose to exchange it for a lie, Paul says. Where then in Romans 2 he says, the light that the Father has given to all called the light of conscience, begins to be affected. The light of conscience is that God has given you what's called conscience on the inside of you where you have a sense of right and wrong, justice and injustice. But if we make light of the Father's light of conscience and we keep going against that light of the Father's of right and wrong and just and unjust on the inside, we begin to lose our capacity clearly see, clearly understand. Then in the days of Jesus, the religious of His day, they lost the light of purpose. Let me explain how. The majority of the religious leaders of the Jewish nation in Jesus' day, the Sadducees didn't even believe in the afterlife. They didn't even believe in eternity. Think about this. 
What's the Father's like? He's the everlasting Father. You don't get an everlasting Father if there's not everlasting life. So they lost the light of purpose of why they even existed to relate and have a relationship with the everlasting Father. Then, once they began to go against the light of conscience and the light of purpose, they lost the light of the path. Where Jesus looks to the religious of His day and He says, you make void the Word of God, the light of God's Word, by adhering more to your customs and traditions than the tradition of the Word of God. Now we have customs and traditions in America. And we can never make light of the Father's light of His Word and His purpose for us where traditions trump the purpose that He has for us. We want to be a people that prioritize the clear Word of God more than our own customs and traditions. Amen. Then, they lost the light of His presence. And when they lost the awareness of the light of His presence, they lived for the presence of the urgent. When you and I, and when a culture loses the Father's light and awareness that His presence is here with us, then you find a culture and a people that live with a constant sense of the urgent. They're always so focused on now that they can't see the bigger picture. Listen, listen, friends. With the tragedy that's happening globally, with people by the tens of thousands going into eternity, how often in all of that conversation in the media, in news, anything, do you hear them ever ask as people are dying right now as we speak, is your house in order? Why do you exist? Do you know your eternal purpose? You would think when people are dying by the hundreds of thousands that you would bring into the conversation the deepest questions of why are we here? Is your house in order? What about eternity? What do you believe? Crickets. Listen, you know why? Because there is a devil in his kingdom that is an enemy of every one of us as humans. He don't want us to get aware and ask the bigger questions. Because when we lose the light of God's presence among us, His creation, we live with a sense of just urgent the now without the context of eternity. James 1.16 says, Come on, band, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning of His own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. There is, James says here, the light of the perfect gift of the Father of lights and His gift. It's not an idea. It's not even a set of beliefs. 
It is a perfect person named Jesus Christ. A Savior that can triumph over statistics. A Savior that can save us from the curses that try to lock us into a place of dysfunction and keep us from unlocking the call and the purpose of God for our life and the path that He longs for us to walk in. Now many of us here today have become these new people that James talks about. These first fruits of a new creation. And we wait for Jesus' return and we wait for a new heavens and a new earth. Many of you have heard me say before that God when He created the first heavens and the first earth that you and I find ourselves in, He created the heavens and the earth first, then He created us, humans, and put us in that environment. But because ultimately, God wanted to relate to us, it all hinged on us relating to Him. And we chose to go our own way. We chose selfishness, lawlessness, which messed up all the other creation. So this time God says, no, no, no. I'm going to get people right first. I'm going to get humans right first. Then I'm going to fit and make a new heavens and a new earth for them. That's why it says those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, we were the first fruits of God's new creation. And we wait today for His return so that then He makes a new heaven and a new earth that's fit for us. This old heaven, this old earth is passing away and we long for where righteousness runs like a river. We long where disease is no more, where death has been swallowed up in victory, where the kingdom of God of right living and peace and joy flourishes, where sin and Satan and its kingdom has been vanished into the past. And we live relating not just to our Creator, to our everlasting Father. A perfect Father who has perfect love that can cast out all negative fear. We have been brought forth by the Word of Truth. The Word of Truth is a reference to Jesus. The Word of God made flesh. The Word of God made human. Jesus who was full of truth. Jesus who was the light of the world and the proclamation, it's a reference to the proclamation of who He is and the message of what He accomplished that God gave us a gift and that gift willingly laid down His life and He hung between heaven and earth and He took the death that I deserved. He provided the keys to unlock me from my prison of shame and sin and guilt in Satan's kingdom and to bring me into the ultimate purpose of why I was created to be able to relate to an everlasting Father to make us new and I want to first speak to those of us that are followers of Jesus today to understand that where we make light of the Father's light the next generation regarding it will lose their sight. Where I, if I make light of the Father's light, revelation in Jesus in Scripture, if I make light in any area, that son right there, that next generation will lose his ability to see that aspect of the everlasting Father, that aspect of God's truth, 
And before long, we can have a nation, you can have people that descend from your very being who are born, who don't even have the capacity to see or eyes to see the goodness of God and the everlasting Father that longs to forgive and heal them. those of you that are not followers of Jesus maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching, maybe you're going to listen in days to come I want to appeal to you by the love of the everlasting Father to not allow the darkness you see in the world around you cause you to unsee the Father's light you have seen with the eyes of your heart that He exists. That the darkness you have chosen at times, that you wouldn't allow it to cause you to no longer hear the Father's light on the inside of your conscience. That you wouldn't lock up on the inside of you the light of conscience with that sense of knowing this is not right. There's more the questions of why I exist. For those that are not followers of Jesus, that are unbelievers, those that's not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus as King, I want to appeal to you that if you've known the curse of fatherlessness, don't allow the darkness of the curse of fatherlessness to cause you to lose your ability to see the everlasting Father's light. That He's longing to relate to you. He's longing to bring you out of darkness. To bring you out of where sin has made you captive and enslaved you into His kingdom of freedom and forgiveness and newness. To appeal to those that haven't surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus and it's not king in your life, I appeal to you. Don't allow any of the darkness of religious traditions that you've experienced or that has hurt you keep you from seeing the light of the path in the Word of God. To don't allow the failures of religious tradition and religious people to blind you for hungering for the light of the Lamb, the light of God's revelation in His Word. Don't allow the darkness of evil spirits around you to keep you from seeing the light of the presence of God that is around you seeking to fill your life. God the Father of lights is said to be God the Father of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. The everlasting Father is after some sons and some daughters that He created that are separated from Him due to sin and lies. But unto us, one is given. Jesus, a merciful Savior, forgiving Savior, who took our place so that we could be raised to life. That we could be first fruits of a new heaven and a new earth that one day we long for to turn us from darkness to His marvelous light. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.